Let's pray and read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12-17. through 17. Father, Your ways are not our ways. I think about the song we just sang, that uh, I am His, He is mine. Father, You've shown me that that was one of Charles Spurgeon's favorites. Father, may we who bow before Your throne this day beg for Your mercy and Your grace in a moment by moment. And yet, Father, I pray that Your Word will be alive in us this day. And that, Father, the words of this text will ring loudly in our lives as we fight the good fight, as we press on, as we watch the hand of an awesome God in the lives of even us. To your glory and praise. Amen. Verse 12. Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, not finding Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are the fragrance of Christ to God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, an aroma from death to death. To another, an aroma of life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. This text is amazing to me because just in these verses, 12 to 17, we watch a disheartened preacher turned into an encouraged preacher. And I've been going through it because we spent a couple of weeks dealing on why was he disheartened? And and when you think about the Apostle Paul and a door was opened for him in Christ and he walked away from it, And he makes this statement, I had no rest in my spirit. Dude, I cannot understand the Apostle Paul. How much anguish must he have had in his soul? But if you think about it, you've got three years in Ephesus and almost two years in Corinth. And if you'd have stood back from it, you would have said, for what purpose? (laughs) I mean, it was like... I had almost five years of ministry for no reason. And I know none of us have ever had that problem to say, you know, I shared the gospel and the person rejected it and it seems like I just wasted my time. None of you have ever experienced that. None of you have ever been discouraged like that. And I am thankful that that has happened. But when it does happen, what do you do? What do you do? Have you ever been discouraged? Okay, now I want to be real specific about this. I'm not talking about, you know, I found this beautiful car. This is exactly what I wanted to do. And the financing didn't go through. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, because we have discouragements in life. Just things happen. Things don't happen and and all the rest of it. Um, and, and, And we get discouraged. You just sort of, hmm. All right. I'm talking about a door has been opened and you by your life 
and your words get to share with somebody. But the person walks away from it. Or the person hurts you. I know it's hard to fathom that a Christian could hurt another Christian, but but I've read about it once or twice. Okay? I've heard of the antagonisms that happen in the body of Christ. I, I have watched people say, Hey, I was standing on the street and you drove by and you didn't wave. I'm going to go find another church. Okay? Uh, I'm leaving this church because I saw the pastor dropping off a bid for an electrical job at a liquor store. And I'm not going to that church because he came out of a liquor store. Okay, I, I'm talking about the time that you have poured your life into an individual only to have them chasten you and walk away. I'm talking about the time when you have sacrificed of your needs, of your funds, of your resources to help somebody and they squander the help and walk away. I could go on and on and on and on. I can tell you about the times that the body of Christ have immersed a person in the love of Christ only to have them walk away as, well, they just seem judgmental. I'm talking about the times when you confront a person's sin and they look at you with straight in your eye and say, you sound like a Pharisee. My years as a pastor have been called the Antichrist and a Pharisee and a few things in between. So I'm figuring I've got her covered. Okay? I didn't have the heart to tell him that a Pharisee is Antichrist. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, it, it was obvious this conversation wasn't going anywhere. All right? I'm talking about the time when you ask a person, will you pray for this? And you walk away knowing... They will not. They will not take that time. Okay? If you have ever been disheartened in ministry, here's the problem. One of the problems I see in the United States anyway. You're saved, you're in ministry. See, in the United States, you get saved... And then you pay the minister. Why? Well, I, daggone it, I came up this morning and I'm, I'm expecting something. Sort of like that video. Remember we seen yesterday the guy was doing motocross jumps over the pastor in the church? And I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> I ain't that stupid. No, not to jump the motorcycle. To stand there and let somebody jump over me. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. Why? Where's the reverence? You're in church. And now I've got... Motorcycle jumps. I mean, there's a place for motorcycle jumping. I just never thought it would be in church. All right? This is the kind of stuff that is out there, and it draws crowds. Oh, I remember I went and seen Evil Knievel. Why? And there's only one reason we went. You think he'll make it? Because <laughs> if not, he's going to be watered up. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? 
There are times when you look at the evangelical community and it breaks your heart. How do you get over that? Remember the the letter from William? I quit. I'm out of here. I'm going to get a job. I don't want to die a pulper. I just had that discussion this weekend. Um, I wonder if I can retire. What would retirement really be? I don't know which one of you would put me up because I'm thinking that's about how this is going to work. <laughs> Did that tell you I retired? <laughs> and I'm living with you. I figure with this congregation, I could live with each of you for about a week and then move to another family and, and to another family. And then once you get done with everybody, start back over because I wouldn't want to wear out my welcome. Okay. I mean, he just lays around like he's retired. I mean, I don't know what retirement really is. So, but have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about it? You know, I listen, the average lifespan, that ain't right word. The average tenure of a pastor in a church in Colorado right now is three to five years. And what you will hear is that the argument that comes out of the church is the pastor is the hired gun. He comes in, does his three to five, and then he moves on. And I've heard some pastors tell me one time, you know what? What you do is Colorado is your proving ground, and then you go get a big church with big bucks in Texas. Because evidently, they pay well in Texas. I don't know. I remember when I was... Back in Memphis, one of my trips, and I was talking to a guy, and he said that when he originally started preaching in Texas, you knew you who had arrived if you had a Cadillac. I mean, you know, if 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 the pastor was driving a Cadillac, you're in. But he says, you know, things have changed. He says, now you have to drive a Bentley. And I said, why settle for a Bentley when you can have a Rolls? I don't understand if you guys are going to go for it. Go. How do you get over being disheartened about that? How do you get over a guy who's got a church of 23,000 people having a motocross guy jump over his head during the sermon? I don't know about you. That's a little disheartening to me. Unless I'm the guy on the motocross bike. (laughs) Watch this. (laughs) I'm going to get me a Bentley. What do you do with that? Do you look around and see other Christians that you can't tell the difference between them and lost people? You guys don't. You're living in the wrong crowds. I see them all the time. How do I overcome being disheartened? How do I overcome when, when you share your life and your testimony and the word of the Lord to your kids only to see them walk away? How do you overcome that? Paul tells us here, verse 14, thanks be to God. (laughs) And you're like, what? That don't make sense. And we've looked at this. Why? Thanks be to God. Why? Because he always, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Did you get the word always? Do you understand that as a child of God, of the privilege of being led by the sovereign God? Do you understand that? 
every aspect of your life, he is in control and he's leading. Well, you don't understand. I've been in some. Really? You're telling me that he who spoke existence into being, you threw him off. Well, yeah, I went over here and he didn't really. Really? Then what God do you serve? My God is in absolute control of everything all the time forever. And I don't care how bad it looks. I really don't. Because he may be using these awful things in life to get your undivided attention. Perhaps. And do you understand the privilege of no matter what is happening in your existence, no matter what it is, no matter what the effect, he's in absolute control? You know, one of the things, you look at the book of Job, all right? And that, that's kind of depressing if you really look at it. But you know what's really depressing? And I've thought about this. Job didn't have chapters one and two. He just casts a crank through and then gets a tornado comes up and talks to him. See, you and I can look at the book of Job and we got chapter one and two. And we say, you know what? God's getting ready to use me to prove a point to Satan what true saving faith looks like. Don't I feel blessed? <laughs> but he understood what the privilege was. The privilege was I'm being led by God. Second thing we looked at is there is the victory in Christ. That's what he says here. Look what he says. Leads us always leads us in triumph in Christ. Always. He's always leading us in Christ. See, if you look at triumph and, and I'm going to deal with it a little more, the Triumph that Paul has in mind is this massive celebration of a Roman victory. Or it can be victory. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, which one is it? Yes. Listen, you don't have this massive celebration if you don't have victory. I mean, you're not going to have a victory celebration before you fought the fight. Let's celebrate victory. Now, some do, but you can always tell that they're out trying to push a chain. Okay, and God, you know, I remember uh, a certain Saddam Hussein who said, you know what? I'm going to whoop you as I run to my rat hole. <laughs> do you see what I'm trying to get at? So there is victory in Christ. He always leads us. Now, I believe that in his mind, he's thinking of this great celebration because of what he says. Because he manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Okay, now this aroma, what is he be talking about? He's talking about, I was so depressed that a gospel door was open and I walked away from it. That's how bad my heart was disheartened. And yet all of a sudden he says, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. When I look at this, 
He says, and He manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And I want, look what He says here. When you think about this parade, you've got the priest, and right behind the priest and the white bull are these... And, and, and I probably didn't give you a right picture because I talked about these priests carrying these censers with incense in it, okay? And they're big. I mean, they're big bowls, about like this, piled with incense, and it's on fire and it's smoking, okay? So, I mean, it's like a little train thing going down the street, all right, with all this incense smoke coming out of it, okay? Do you realize it was not uncommon for them to be over 2,000 of these guys? Boy, the EPA would go nuts, wouldn't they? (laughs) Anyway. So you're looking at smoke. All right? I mean, we're looking at a lot of smoke. All right? And the whole course of this parade, this wide boulevard, you would have all these women throw flowers out. That would be shin high. And yet, if you've ever taken a flower petal, they smell kind of cool. Right, but if you crush them, they get like really smelly. So you've got all of that in there, and you've got all these people burning incense for celebration in their homes, lining up the boulevards. You've got all of this smoke, and so the whole city of Rome would be permeated with this aroma, with this fragrance. The whole city would smell of it. I believe that's what Paul's borrowing from that imagery. Why? This aroma, it rises to God. This aroma influences the whole entire city. And you and I, regardless of what is going on, have now the privilege to be the influence for Christ everywhere you go. See, it's not just the privilege of being led by a sovereign God. It's not just the privilege of victory in Christ. But we have the privilege of being an influence everywhere. Now, I don't know about you, but part of me says, that's kind of remarkable. And then the other part of me says, well, it's not just remarkable. That's actually amazing. I was sharing this morning in Sunday school that I've had the chance to take the gospel. I I remember the first time that I flew into Russia, I had stopped in England and and had preached at a friend's church and then this other church in London. And and I thought, that this is kind of cool. And then I remember when we landed in, in Moscow, you get up and you look out and you read across the building of the name of the airport and it's all in Russian. And you just sort of like, wow. The first thing that comes to my mind is a Beatles song back in the USSR. And I, that's how spiritual I am. But I, but I thought about it. I thought, you know what? Here I am standing on the tarmac at the airport in Moscow, Russia. And the reason that I am here is to teach the Bible to Russian pastors. To this day, I just sit there and go, huh, what up with that? 
to walk around in the land of our Lord, read Scripture and pray, and share truth at a little synagogue across the street from where Peter lived. That'd be the Apostle Peter. Really? I mean, my first response is, well, it was God thinking. (laughs) But you have an influence. There was a young lady that was on that trip. She had worked just finished her second PhD in linguistics. And people make me nervous. But anyway, I still get emails from her. She's in a place that I'm not allowed to say. Literally taking a language that she knows and making an alphabet. She's creating. They don't have an alphabet. They just talk. And she's translating the Scriptures into an what she's doing. And I met her when I was in Israel. And she still emails me maybe once a month or something like that. Sends me some goofy pictures of her riding camels. I was like, hey, camels there? What the heck was you thinking? But anyway. There's an influence. When I think of this text here where he makes this statement, he manifests through who? Even the Corinthians. He used the Corinthians to influence a culture. They became the aroma of this great triumph of the incense and the flowers being crushed. That everything permeated with this aroma. And I think I, we, and this humid Wicked, sinning, blasphemy, violent, aggressor against God and Christ. Every single one of you, every single one of us have been against God and Christ at some time. And yet we could be so transformed and called as to be used by God. Every single one of us have some influence on God's kingdom. Verse 15, we are the fragrance of Christ to God. Cool. What we're doing through the power of the Spirit and the mercies of God is raising up that aroma of that great triumph before God. But he also says among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. You know what that means, right? That covers just about everybody else, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, you're either saved or perishing, right? So you have the privilege of influencing the saved and the lost, the saints and the ain'ts. Every single one of us. So when you look around and you're disheartened or you're discouraged or you just can't get over poor pitiful me, did you realize that you forgot what parade you're in? We are the fragrance of Christ to God. And not only to God, but through us 
to all mankind. Key thought here. God in His wondrous mercy has chosen to manifest the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ everywhere through us. Through us. Each and every one of us. You ever thought about that? That's what he says right here. It is a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. End of verse 14. Of him where? In every place. That's one of the things that, you know, I watched this church and I've been with this church a few years. And we've had a passion to help pastors rightly divide truth. You ever thought about that? That's always boggled my mind. Because this church hasn't really been into the church planning or the revival thing or, you know, let's have a little clinic to do this or a little thing like that. We have only been faithful to teach pastors. It's kind of weird. Don't you think that's weird? I always thought that was weird. I mean, being that our high qualifications of expertise. But that's what we've done. If you think about it, it's kind of goofy. All right. And now we have an opportunity here in our community to help women who all of a sudden, you know, woke up one morning pregnant and they don't really know what to do next. And we have the opportunity to walk through a door that will take them, give them the medical advice that they need, show them the resources that are available to them. And if they are willing to keep that child, we can lend them and lead them to godly parents who are wanting to adopt? Or if they want to keep the child and raise it themselves to show them how to raise a child in God's standard. Or even if they have aborted that child, how to stand reconciled to He who spoke time into existence. I don't know about you, but Paul makes this statement. Who's adequate for such things? And yet, you and I have the privilege of influencing everywhere the sweet aroma of Christ and the knowledge of Christ. Nothing personal. But who's adequate for these things? You know, I I was thinking about this, and I actually wrote this down this morning. God has desired to press the gospel through human voice and life. To use the human throat... As a channel of salvation. Through every one of us. Can you believe it? That's amazing to me. It just, are you out of your mind, Lord? Which just proves one thing. Donkeys still talk. I'll let you look that up and figure out what I just said. 
How shall they hear without a preacher? You know what? You and I have been responsible for training how many preachers? We only did 30 in Russia in five years. That's all we're doing in India right now. Oh, did I tell you we were doing that in Burma too? Hmm. I see a pattern. And how do we do it? Texting. Really? They don't text in Russia. They do in Moscow, but we haven't had any influence in Moscow, but it's covered in smoke. How shall they preach unless they are sent? That's what Paul tells us. I mean, from Isaiah, we know this. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I know. I'm just really not into feet. But you know what? Those who come bearing the good news have beautiful feet. When God planned to manifest the knowledge of Christ in every place, do you know how he planned on doing it? He planned on doing it by sending forth the sweet aroma, the fragrance of the gospel. I think about those incense censers. I think about all of those flowers that are being trampled on. And you know what? In that group that would smell that in that whole city, you've got the saints and you've got the ain'ts. You've got those people who are so self-absorbed in themselves have been conquered. And guess what? They're mad about it. But that same aroma... It's to those who are victorious in the person of Jesus Christ who understand that they are following the leading of the sovereign God who understands that they have victory in Jesus Christ who understand that because of His leading and because of Christ's victory, guess what? I have influence. I have influence. And you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to have a recording. You don't have to be movie person. You don't have to be a sports figure. You have the privilege of being the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ. Every single one of you, regardless of your age, regardless of your place in society, regardless of your abilities, regardless of your education, regardless of your job. You have that privilege. And you know what is amazing to me? God planned to do this, and He planned to do this through us. That's amazing. You know what? He even does it with those. Have you ever run into those who can talk to talk but have no walk? You guys haven't run into any of those. I've run into them. A few of them. And he still brings forth the aroma of Christ. Are we, are any of us worthy? Let me ask you a really goofy question. Are you trying to make yourself worthy? Because the Apostle Paul says, who's adequate? Do we even deserve the honor or the privilege? See, one of the things that I know about our brother Paul is he never got over the privilege. 
Just a privilege. I mean, even when I spent five years in two churches for no apparent reason, he never got over the privilege. How about you? Did you get over the privilege? Do you feel adequate? How are you working? I'm working on being adequate. I know some who are. I know people who are so immersed in the study of Scripture because they want to be adequate. And I know enough about Scripture to say, you will never be adequate. I don't care if you memorize it in the original language. I don't care what you do. You ain't getting there. You know what? When I see people who think they deserve it, or when I see people who have gotten over the privilege of just being in the parade, of being the sweet aroma of Christ and the knowledge of Christ... There are those there in the body of Christ today who believe they're adequate. And all I know is that they have belittled the privilege. You know how I know? How many people have you seen in the body of Christ who did not like the results they've got in their ministry? Now, I know no one in this room has ever stepped into that mess. But if God gives you one soul, just one, you pour yourself into it, what do you suppose your response is that you expect from that soul? Just a question. You know, I was going to teach a Sunday school class, but you know, there's only two people in that class. One of them was me. Oh, so you're adequate? A couple of months ago, I preached at Cornerstone Church. And when I came in, I was, you know, kind of going over my notes, what I was wanting to share. And uh, they came to me and they said, hey, I just want you to know that, you know, we're a small church. And a lot of people were on vacation. And so basically, when it got time, uh, I think there was about five. And one of the leaders came up and he says, why don't we just take a, a time of uh, of praying and uh, we'll just call it a night. I said, well, I think that's a great idea except for one small problem. I said, what's that? I said, God has laid on my heart a message to encourage you guys. So do you want it or not? And he looked at me and he said, you're right, let her go. So I remember studying for Sunday night messages and nobody show up in this church. And you get frustrated. You say, well, what was the point of that? God says, you don't have enough information. I'm giving you some more. Keep studying, stupid. How many people 
step away from ministry because they didn't get the results that they wanted. The ability to be the very one through which the fragrance, the aroma of the gospel moves in every place. That is my privilege. That is your privilege. That is our privilege. Would you ever belittle that? Now, I have been around long enough that I have seen lost people who act more saintly than the saints. And the reason is they belittle the privilege of what has been given to them. Perhaps you don't experience your own definition of success. Perhaps you don't experience your own definition of popularity. Perhaps it doesn't fit your ambitions. Perhaps it doesn't fit your desires or for your reputation. I hope not. I hope you have not fallen into that to think that you are adequate or you are deserved of anything because it is my privilege just to walk in a parade. To know He leads me in every aspect of my life. To know that every victory is there in Christ. To know that I have the ability to influence the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. That should be enough that you just have the influence. No matter how small your influence, perhaps it's your little sister, perhaps it's your little brother, perhaps it's your children, perhaps it's a co-worker. The fact that you have influence at all should be enough for you to say, thanks be to God. The privilege of having the influence for Jesus Christ. And you know what is amazing to me about it? I don't deserve it. On my best day. Thank you, Lord, for being in the triumphant parade, allowing me to be in the triumphant parade. I'm thankful that I'm not one of the prisoners. I am thankful He has gathered me out. He has redeemed me from the kingdom of darkness. And that right there, that privilege is plenty for me. I don't need anything else. No matter how small my little part is, I am thankful. Thank you, Lord, for leading me sovereignly in every aspect of my life. Thank you, Lord, that you lead me to do what you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it. See, in ministry, there is a trap that sits for every single one of us. We want to take our ministry, our little ministry, whatever it is, Remember, if you're saved, you have a ministry. Okay? 
But you and I have this trap that sits out there that we want to measure our ministry by its result. I know you guys haven't fallen into that trap. I'm just telling you that it's out there. Instead of measuring your ministry by the privilege of being in it. That's the difference. I watched these guys. I watched a guy pray every day for a town of about 3,800 people every day that God would give him souls from this town. And he prayed for this town every day that he went through it for five years. And for five years, there was never even so much as a berry. Would you stay that faithful? Now he's got a nice little church there. About a hundred. And he says, you know, I would prefer to have men, but it's all women. But God give me the privilege of sharing the gospel with these people. Hmm. Do I measure my ministry by the results or do I measure my ministry by the privilege see in this context you have this disheartened preacher door was open for me in the gospel in troas but no rest in my spirit i walked away you know why he was disheartened 18 months in corinth two years in ephesus you know why he was disheartened he looked at the people See, the joyful preacher, the joyful minister, the joyful saint is joyful because he looks at God. The disheartened considers the difficulties. The joyful considers the privilege. I have the privilege of being an influence for Christ. That may be death to the dying. And it may be life to the living. You may have more death and dying than you have life and living. But do you consider the privilege? That's the question. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my brother Paul. To know that sufferings that we have. uh, The heartaches that we have. The anguish that we have. Father, I know that mine don't compare to the Apostle Paul. And yet, Father, even when he was heartbroken, he could say, thanks be to God. Father, may that be how we are known. People who step up to serve the Most High God, understanding the privilege of just being in your victory parade and the triumph in Christ and the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere going through us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.